Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka, and I am excited today but because we are going to be talking with Tom Willis from Phoenix Performance Partners about creating exceptional cultures. Tom, welcome. Hey, Damon, thanks for having me. Excited to talk about this. One of my favorite subjects. Yes, yes. Well, Tom, it, I'm I'm excited to talk to you because, as I said before, we got online. Your background is very interesting and lots of different things in here. So let's jump right in. Um, let's talk about your background and how you got into really starting to think about culture, and then going, well, maybe I want to help companies and school systems and other people really understand how to build great cultures. Yeah, well. Um... My my background is either interesting or confusing uh, to many because it's uh, done lots of different things. I grew up in Michigan here. I went to the University of Michigan, did an engineering degree there, worked for some big companies like Intel out in New Mexico, and then Chicago to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, I got fired from there along with a few thousand other people during the the dot com explosion of mm-hmm. around two thousand. And uh, found myself over in Africa with my best friend, um, and I spent some time there helping teach and just just really turned my life around in many ways. And so wow. I came back to to Detroit and started teaching, and ultimately, about ten years later, became a school superintendent, and yeah. just just absolutely loved it. It was hard work. Um, teaching yeah. is one of the hardest jobs in the world, no doubt, and. Um, about four or five years into that, I realized that what we were doing culture-wise was quite special. Um, and but I didn't know how to help other schools in particular or other organizations. And so, long story short, a friend introduced me to my now business partner, and we've been working together for about seven years now to help uh, CEOs, school superintendents create exceptional cultures, high-performing teams um, in a way that's quite different than what's out there. A lot of the, a lot of this work um, is not terribly effective. And so there's a high degree of skepticism out there, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Well, you said a few things. Let's back up a little bit. You were in Africa and you ended up teaching in Africa. What were some of the things you learned while you were there? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot. Um uh, what stands out though is I'll never forget there was a day I was up at the chalkboard and it was quite literally a chalkboard. Yeah. Um, and I was teaching a few things. I was teaching some Spanish, I think, and or it might have been a lesson about the Great Lakes, you know, uh, my hometown here. And I remember thinking this very defining moment of like there was a few kids in front who were just like eager, eager, right? Mm-hmm. Hands up, wanted to learn. Um, I think there was a kid in back who was half asleep. Uh, I'm sure there was one or two kids screwing around every time I turned around to draw on the chalkboard. 
And, you know, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Africa, I think at the time had two or three high schools for two or three million kids. Oh, my goodness. So it gives you a sense for how few students get to go to high school. And even that, they're they're not coming from a lot of affluence or, or wealth. And so, you know, it just struck me that the real lesson for me was kids are kids. You know, people are people. Doesn't matter where on earth you are. Um, you know, kids are kids and they're all lovable and have infinite potential. And that's really what sparked my desire to, to go into the education world. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was interviewing somebody a month or so ago that had done a lot of work in Africa and, and was talking about the fact that um, it was such a moving moving experience to be there and, and help people. So mm. that's that's cool. That's why I was asking. Um, so then you, you started, came back to the U.S. and you started teaching. but and, and you said you didn't realize it at the time, but your culture was very special. What do you mean by that? Yeah, in fact, actually, if I can, Damon, just a quick aside, because when you said coming back from Africa, it reminded me of another story that's good, good. You know, as I was flying, flow through um, Amsterdam and then into New York, and I had to stay overnight in New York for the night. And, you know, talk about culture shock, right? Like, yeah. It was, it was tremendously shocking to come back to the States. And one of the first things I saw in downtown New York City said, stop and sell the roses. And I thought, you know, well, that's interesting. Right? Like there's our, uh, I'm a, I, I love capitalism, so I don't, not, nothing against it, but it was just an interesting sort of uh, shock to the system that mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an example of culture at a grand scale. You yeah. know, it was coming from a, uh, a world that just didn't have a lot of material wealth. And yet mm-hmm. the sense of contentment and joy and most of the folks that I got to deal with was through the roof, right? And then yeah. you come back to a city like New York where the wealth is through the roof and the joy and contentment is in the basement. Um, so yeah. it's another example of culture at a, at a much larger scale. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the same thing that Doug said when I interviewed him, it was, he said, you know, there's not much material wealth, but there's always smiles and joy and just this wondrous um, happiness in the day and, and being. Exactly. It was infectious. Exactly. It was just infectious the way it 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 uh, moved him. Um, so that's awesome. That's awesome. And I can imagine dropping back into into New York and then and doing that because it's such a like you said, it's such a shock. Yeah. Well, New York, right? Of all of all cities, the only one that could have topped that when I'm in Vegas or yeah, yeah, it might have. It <laughs> might have. So then as you, as you came back, you started teaching and, and you said you didn't realize it, but your culture was special. What, what did you mean by that? You know, it, it was a few things. Um, you know, the, the founder of the schools is an amazing guy, really committed to, to helping kids and poured a lot of his energy and time into building the culture and, and building it around, frankly, the life and teachings of, of Jesus. And so... Mm-hmm. A tremendous amount of faith and, and values built into it. And so in many ways, I was building on top of that. And we just had really committed people who cared a lot because, you know, you had to. It's a, it's a tough job. Um, and we came together as a team. And I always joke with my, my now business partner, you know, it took, took about five years 
to really build the, the, the solid sense of teamwork and, and mm-hmm. collaboration. And with my, with my business partner now, I could have done it in five months. So instead of five years, I could have done it in five months. And it's, it really is because there are ways to dramatically accelerate the, the culture that you're looking to create um, if you'd go about it in the right ways. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. And uh, in just a moment, I just think it's, it's really interesting. As you said, when leaders pour their energy and time into building the culture, um, you just see it. Some, some leaders naturally do it. Some people learn to do it, but it is one of those things that I think that um, leaders need to intentionally spend time doing. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you just touched on sort of the core element that either this work works or it doesn't. And it's, it boils down to how intentional are you and how conscious are you? Because culture happens as a sort of a byproduct of everybody's unconscious behaviors. Because most of what we do as human beings is really driven by our unconscious and I remember the first time I heard that, I thought it was a bunch of BS um, because, you know, here I am an engineer. Yeah. My, my MBA from University of Notre Dame, like, you know, don't tell me that I'm an unconscious being, you know, I'm very logical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I've sort of grown in wisdom and, and talked to more folks and read more books and seen how this work, you know, produces results, I've realized that it's, it's true. You know, that the, the, the thing that makes culture so hard to change is that it's mostly unconscious. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So one of the things I saw I was doing research on here is, well, two things. First of all, you guys have tons of testimonies and people are looking uh, looking to understand that. Get on LinkedIn, check you out. And uh, Thomas Willis on LinkedIn at Phoenix Performance Partners and check out some of the, the um, testimonials and the recommendations because you guys are are stellar in that regards the one thing that i saw that is really interesting to me is you talk about a methodical process to build culture what do you mean about with that because i think most people when they when they relate to culture they may not think of it like that, that it, that you can follow a process to build a culture like you want. They think it's just going to happen because of your personality or because of the way that you conduct business. But what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's art and science. It's um, many people think of it as sort of one or the other. And most, I think, probably think of it as more of art. Um, and there is a, there is a, a, a good deal of artistic you know, energy that goes into leadership and culture shaping. There's a great, um, great book about this leadership jazz that talks about how it's, you know, there is that free flowing element of jazz. Um, and if I, if I talk any more about jazz, I'll, I'll get above my pay grade, but you know, that there's a lot of impromptu nature. Too, yeah. Right. And that's true. And you can also go about using science and, and methodology and a, and an approach to to shape a culture in the way that you want to shape it so it's not either or it's both and in our case we think it's probably 70 percent methodology and and an approach 
that will get you the results. Very cool. So as we're talking about this, what is the most common cultural misconception that you run into when you're talking to CEOs and superintendents? Um, well, we used to joke that rubber chicken throwing doesn't work or trust falls. Um, but uh, <laughs> trust falls. Yeah. That's pretty well understood now. Um, I would say um, there is an implication in a lot of the conversations we have out of the gate because we're, we're blessed. 90 plus percent of our work is referrals um, because it is, it is quite successful. And so when we're, we get a call, there's already an interest, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's helpful, but there's an implication sometimes in the language. It's not direct, but it's almost sort of underneath the surface that they want us to come in and sort of help their team. Um, and, uh, rarely are they talking about helping them as the leader, as the CEO or as the superintendent. Yeah. And the reality is they are the tip of the spear. They are mm -hmm. the, the font. They are the source of their culture. And so that's usually one of the surprises is that most CEOs don't realize how much they're impacting the culture. And again, in unconscious ways that they don't mm -hmm. even realize. They don't realize that what they're doing is actually creating some of the challenges that frustrate them. Yeah. Yeah. That is very cool because you know, that is, that is so many people don't real that leaders that at the, at the very tip of the organization don't realize how every little thing they do to a large extent uh, affects the culture in the business. And that every uh, little thing, amen. And it's like uh, when you've got the CEO title, it's like you're shouting through a bullhorn. Yeah, so it's not just a little thing; it's it's taken as a big thing every single time. And that's, you know, that may not be fair, but it's the reality. Yes. So <laughs> you bring up a great point. They're like, "Hey, come on in and help my team," and you get in there and you and you realize, well it's the tip of the spear. It's not necessarily the team. I mean, how do you approach that? Um, well, we, we, it's always an invitation. You know, we talk about how we're all in a comfort zone. You know, if you picture like mm -hmm. a circle, that's our comfort zone. And then just outside of it is a thin layer of fear or sometimes thick. And then outside that is the growth zone is where we learn, right? It's where we quite literally grow and learn and improve. And yeah. so, if you want to grow, if you want your organization to grow, well, there is no organization. That's from the first fallacies. You don't grow an organization. There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people that work together, hopefully for a common purpose. Yeah. So if you want to grow the quote unquote organization, you have to grow the people. And and so that's the first step is you gotta you gotta invite people into that growth. And and you're telling them, look, there are times when you're gonna have to sort of feel the fear and do it anyway, but we're not going to force you to do anything. So it's all an invitation. So that's one thing is we, we, we work really hard to create a, um, an environment, sort of the psychological safety where people can truly speak. And we, it's cumulative. We're building over, you know, a, a period of time to get to some of the, 
some of the quote unquote harder conversations. Mm -hmm. By the time we get there, there's enough safety in in the room that people can speak their mind. And then, you know, we, we, we promise results to our CEOs, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, We, we quite literally promise they'll get what they came for. And if they don't, we'll keep going for, for no additional fee until they they do. And it's, it's completely subjective. It's completely their call, whether they've gotten the value or not. So that's good because it it puts our butts on the line for producing results, which means we're not going to skip over the conversations that need to be had. We're going to, if we need to go right at it with a CEO in some way, we're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that you guaranteed results. I'm glad you, you, uh, address that because it is, uh, not very common. I will say that. And I will emphasize that, that it's, I'm probably understating it that in this line of work, it's, it is highly unlikely that you will find others guaranteeing results. Yeah. Most, Um, most folks are sort of, they, they get paid to, to do the steps of the process, whatever that is. And usually there's a survey, usually there's a four-factor behavioral model of some sort. Usually there's some coaching in there. And but they get paid whether it produces results or not. And so we we didn't want to do that. We we're we're lucky to be quite um occupied and our calendars are 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 mm-hmm. full. And so we don't we don't want to do work that doesn't make an impact. We don't want to waste yeah. their time or ours. Yeah. Yeah, and that's awesome. That's awesome because like you said, if you you want to you want to create the results and you're incentivized to do it faster just like the the companies want it to happen as fast as they can as well. Exactly. So um that's that's a great way to align with your customers, with get your interests really aligned with them because they know that you're you're not leaving until the job is done. Yeah, and it, it doesn't it doesn't need to take that long, frankly. Yeah. I mean, our typical engagement is about four or five months. Um, wow. So we can produce results, you know, quite, quite quickly. Um, and, you know, again, we're incentivized to make sure we deliver quickly because otherwise we got to work in month yeah. six and seven and eight and nine for free. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about the kind of results, I mean, explain the kind of transformation you see as you work with a typical client? Well, great question. Um, it depends on what they're going for. So we mm-hmm. spend a lot of time at the, out of the gate with the leader saying, you know, what are we, what are we out to accomplish? And in some cases it can be softer skills. It can be the, you know, my team's not really firing in all cylinders. They're, I got a couple people who are kind of at each other and it's getting in the way of productivity. Um, so I'd really love to go about improving relationships, improving our ability to, to get things to, done together. So it could be something that's a little bit softer like that, or it could be, you know, we're losing money and we, we can't do that anymore. We've got to, yeah. we got to swing back to profitability um, or even um, adding to our fund balance if it's a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So it could be a very tangible, hard, piece of results like that. So it just depends on what they're trying to, trying to accomplish. Um, the, the part that really, you know, excites me is when you see uh, a CFO or a COO or a CEO have sort of an epiphany moment where they yeah. realize that they, they can now use this to be a much better father or spouse. That that's yeah. the stuff that excites the heck out of me. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the things that, well, it's like you said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase and you sure correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, to make these changes in an organization with culture, you really are talking about helping the people making the changes they need to make to be, I don't know, better, better communicators, better humans and, and, and understanding that how to work with people around them. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really it at the end of the day. And it's, it's a, it's a little bit different too from your traditional professional development or leadership training, you know, training, we, we, we joke sometimes that training, you can train a puppy, um, which I'll, which we're getting in two days, by the way, my kids are pumped. We're getting a new puppy. Um, awesome. So I'll, I'll, I will fully uh, be living this reality of training in a few days. Um, but you can't really train human beings um, mm -hmm. in this sort of work. You have to give people an experience that they can participate fully in and engross themselves in. And when you do that, then they expand their capacity. Too many times we try to jam more into a container. You know, if we think about a person as like a container, yeah. and we're trying to we're trying to jam more knowledge into the same container. Well, the container is already full and it's overflowing, and the the world's not slowing down. And so you're like, you want me to do what? Like I can't. I, I I'm already overwhelmed, right? I'm already people talking about burnout, right? So you can't jam more into a, a full container. What you have to do is you have to help the person expand their container. You have to help them expand their capacity and their knowledge and their wisdom and their, their insights about themselves and, and their unconscious motivations and fears. And, and when you, when you work on all those things, you're literally helping the person to, to grow in their capacity. And that's when you can take on more, you can handle more just because uh, you're growing the the vessel. That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, you know, in reading and 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 understanding about leadership, they always talk about the fact that you know the the leaders, whether they realize it or not, are or in life, we we ourselves are limited by ourselves, and and that if we continue to work and and learn and expand our knowledge, like you said, uh we can continue to grow and help others around us do, do more. So, yeah, this is cool. So when you, I mean, do you walk into some places and they're, they're very skeptical about <laughs> the fact that you're going to be able to do anything. Yeah. And then they, and then they, they sit there for a while. And like you said, they just go, boom, the lights, the kind of light turns on. Yeah. We, Yes, uh, quite a bit. And again, it's it's understood. It's it's completely understandable because people walk in and say, "Oh yeah, I've done this before. I've I've done a, a, a retreat before. I've done leadership development before, or I have a master's degree in leadership development." So people come in sort of with their, you know, their expertise on their on wearing it on their sleeves, right? And we just accept it. We just say, you know, great. We just accept it. We we just meet people where they are. We try to love on them wherever they are um, and, and understand it. We're not looking to convince them. The experience will convince them or it won't. If we do yeah. an effective job, then it'll work. And they'll walk out saying, uh, wow, this was way different than I thought it would be. This is way different than things I've done before. My favorite example of this um, 
he's he's retired now, but he'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, he's playing a lot of golf these days. Is he hired us, right? So he literally hired us. Yeah. He brought us in the first day. We do a, a pretty intense retreat to kick off. First day, we're sitting down with his team. It's the first time, you know, we're really spending time with his team. And he says to him all the things he's excited about and the, the future he's excited about for about two or three minutes. And then he says, and you guys, I'm not exactly sure what I got us into with, with Tom and Brad here. Uh, Brad's my business partner, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be pretty good. But if it's not, we can just get up and leave. Tom and Brad, take it over. <laughs> so so here's a guy who hired us, right? And, you know, he, he wore his skepticism on his sleeve. And yeah. To this day, he's probably our number one referral source, um, you know, because he just he saw the value of the work and um, and and he's he had a lot of experience. He was he worked for some big companies. So he mm-hmm. knew, you know, he knew that consultants were mostly full of hot air is, is how he would put it. Yeah. Um, so when you see something that actually works, um, then you become a fan. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That, that, that is when you can, when you can take a, a skeptic and turn them into a, a voracious advocate for your, your process and what you do, that's, that's very rewarding. Yeah, it is. It's, it, those are the moments that, uh, you know, make you feel good. Um, and, uh, make you want to just keep, keep going, try to help more organizations. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So what, what really, I mean, you were, you were teaching, you were, you were, um, doing these other things. What got you into culture? What, what really drug you into culture and said, listen, this is what I want to do. I want to help people do this. Yeah. Good question. Um, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I think the short answer, Damon is, is my faith, you know, that I've always just tried to listen to where I was, where I'm supposed to go. And sometimes I do that well. And sometimes I don't, um, my, my career path makes no sense. Um, but I, I couldn't be more blessed to be doing what I'm, I'm doing. Um, you know, as far as culture itself, I think, I think probably a simple answer is we have a podcast called culture eats everything. Yeah. That's a play on this whole idea of culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. Many people have heard about which is absolutely true, but it's bigger than that. We think that culture eats everything. It is the ultimate competitive advantage. If you as a leader can figure out how to truly create an exceptional culture, then watch out. You will, you will quite literally dominate and grow like crazy. Um, And if you don't, the culture will, will probably eat you alive and you'll spend all your time putting out fires. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, the, the culture is sort of the the tool to really impact people's lives individually. And to me, that's, again, that's the part that I get excited about is when you can yeah. see people changing, not just as leaders, but changing as human beings. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's cool. And, and it's understandable when you look at how much change can happen with individuals in in an organization when they're working together and you're helping them you know like you said experience things differently to expand their knowledge and 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 really understand how to be better human beings and communicators and and working together better 
So you talk about culture and then you, you briefly mentioned performance, business performance. What are some of the things that people have come back to you and said, listen, after working with you, we were not planning on this, but our business did this. You know, what kind of things have you seen? They go, well, that's an unexpected gift that we got from working on our culture. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you a recent example just from a couple of days ago, the CEO. And, you know, he he brought us in to sort of work with the team and help sort of take them to the next level. And now he's at a point where about a year or so later, where he's actually looking at expansion and looking at how do we grow this organization and serve more people outside of our sort of geographical area. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole new possibility that wasn't on the table a year or two ago. And so mm -hmm. when you see that, when you see a, a commitment to something much bigger, obviously that's tremendously exciting. You know, we've got a, uh, another client that started as sort of a single shingle uh, leader um, and grew the business. Uh, now he's up to 80, 90 million dollars. Uh, I have no doubt that he'll ultimately hit a billion dollars as an organization. Wow. And so, you know, it's it's that's great, but frankly, I, that doesn't really fire me up as much. I, I know it fires him up, and he loves it. Yeah. But if you think about the impact that he wants to have, it's yeah. really not about the billion dollars. Yeah. It's about the the impact that that he'll make as an African-American CEO on all the young African-American and, and, and young kids of color to yeah. look and to see him and to say, Oh, that's possible. Now that's, yeah. that's pretty damn cool. It is. Yeah. It's super cool. And you talk about that. And I think, I think that you talk about impact and I think when you see people that are truly successful and you, you can have, and, and these are business people that some are, are very large businesses, some are not. But when they really understand, not so, not so much about the money, but the impact that they're making on humans and people's lives in their community and the country, you know, just depending on how big they are. It's so, so rewarding to work with those kind of people that understand and they're, they're going, yeah, yeah, we'll make the money. But I really want to make sure we're making the money with the impact. And that yeah. is a, that is a pleasure to be able to do that kind of work. Yeah, and it's and it because it works. It's yeah, it's highly yeah. pragmatic. This is this is not airy fairy, yeah, know, soft culture BS. This is this is what works. If you are out to make money, you have got the wrong damn goal, and you yeah. you, you will very have a hard time getting there unless you leverage other tools like fear and intimidation and, and compliance. Um, which is, you know, uh, your prerogative, um, but is a dying, it's a dinosaur. And the mm -hmm. young people today have no patience for that sort of culture. Yeah. Um, but if you go to work on making an impact, I was just talking to a CEO up in Canada who they do basically like drilling, you know, oil drilling and whatnot. Yep. He's a guy who's on fire for creating a culture where people come and can contribute, you know, mostly blue collar workers who can come and be, you know, be value adding to can contribute, not just in what they do day to day, but with new ideas and, and um, contributing in, to the community. And like, he's all about like the impact they can have on their families and communities. And 
not surprisingly, they're producing tremendous financial rewards and results because he's focused on the right thing. If you, if you go to work on the right vision and the right goals, then the dollar signs will increase. It's like a, it's like a metric, right? The, the dollar signs that tell you how well you're doing, but it's not the goal. It's just a KPI. It's a measure of how well you're doing against the goals. And so getting really crystal clear about that is super, super important because otherwise it's like equivalent to driving down the road, trying to speed up by reaching down and, and trying to twist the, the dial on the speedometer, right? Although I know our cars don't have this dials anymore, but you get the, yeah. you get the analogy. It won't work, right? Yeah. You got to go to work on, you know, fine tuning the engine and having the right system in place. And when you do all those things, invest in your people, then you'll go faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, the goal is, is maximi- maximizing impact. The measure might be dollars in a certain instance as a KPI of, of how well that worked, but your goal is maximizing your impact. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Cause when you really get behind that, like you said, and you're, your uh, instance of the the oil drilling, you know, giving giving people a place where they can come and make make an impact, add value, and they're and they're and it's looked at that way by the company too, yeah. that they're yeah. truly adding value. They couldn't do it without you. You're very important to us, and and uh, you know, and they're they're treated that way. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's because they're engaged in something that matters to them. Yeah. This is, this is not rocket science. Okay. Like um, in many ways, it's quite simple. We're not saying anything terribly new, although we, we are experts at sort of execution and implementation We're we believe we're the folks who actually bring culture improvement and change to life, not just talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, but fundamentally, some of the tools are not terribly complex. You know, I'll give you, give you, we're writing this book right now called the great engagement. Um, and it's a, it's a play on the great resignation mm-hmm. the word resignation will be crossed out on the book cover. So it'll say the great. Nice. Engagement. And uh, the beginning of the book really talks about what, what's going on. Why are people sort of resigning in, in mass numbers? Um, and it's because fundamentally they're not engaged in anything that matters to them. You know, COVID was a, a life changing moment for many of us. And we realized we only have one life to live. And so, huge discontent and people just say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't for me anymore, but you know where they didn't leave There's organizations where they were engaged in something that matters, where they actually felt like they were contributing, where they felt like they were, they hadn't, they had an aspiration. They were aspiring to something bigger than themselves and to just making a paycheck and where Mm -hmm. they were empowered to make a difference where they felt like they had the power to go and do and make change and improve things. So if you want, if you really want to create, you know, uh, a, a highly effective culture, then you got to go to work on getting people engaged in something that matters to them by, by giving them something to aspire to and, or helping them un- uncover what they want to aspire to and by empowering them to, to make that happen. Awesome. I'm writing so many notes here. This is awesome. Yeah. Because you're, you're, Exposing what a lot of people don't realize in some instances that, you know, that engagement 
that engagement and getting that engagement and showing people how they fit into something larger than themselves and, and, and two, um, the, how they're contributing to that personally and, and how they make a difference is so important and, and, and how that's communicated. And yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the essence of it. There's, there's more to it, obviously, yeah, but, yeah. but fundamentally that's one of the things we lay out in the, in the book is that engagement equals aspiration plus uh, empowerment, you know, that in really simple terms, that's, that's how this works. Yeah. All right, Nat. Down too. That's good. So you're talking about your book. When, when's your book going to be out? I should be out this fall. Um, we just had oh, nice. exciting, exciting news of, of about a week or so ago. We got a, uh, an endorsement from Ken Blanchard. Oh my. Yeah. Right. We were, we, we were just as shocked. I still have a voicemail on my phone that I'll probably keep forever because I had to look at it like three or four times. Um, and he talked about how, you know, this book is really servant leadership in action. Um, and that, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to make a difference with your people and the lives of the people you work with, then, you know, then read this book. You know, here's a guy who sold 28 million books, right? Yeah. In the world. I think he's in his 80s. Yes. Um, you know, certainly doesn't need to be calling, you know, us, right? Folks he doesn't really know. But he took the time to call both of us, leave a message. His, vo his voicemail says, is this, was this the infamous Tom Willis or the famous Tom Willis? You know, so... You know, what an unbelievable, genuine and generous spirit, right? Oh, my goodness. Taking the time to do this. It's it's a model of servant leadership in action. Um, so, yeah, we're super excited about that. And uh, to, But to answer your question, yeah, the book should be out this fall. Right now, it's well, we sent it off to a professionals down in Texas to proofread it and put the graphics together and yeah. all that fun stuff. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And wow, that had to be, it just had about how to take your breath away for a moment there when you have someone like that leaving a voicemail on your, for you. No, oh, it, it absolutely did. It absolutely did, Damon. And it's, it's an example of living the work. Remember I talked earlier yeah. about our comfort zone and yep. there's sort of this, this layer of fear around that. Well, we started kicking ideas around, well, how might we get somebody famous to, to write us a, an endorsement? And so we kicked some ideas around and, and I said, you know what, let's try this. Let's, let's just write a heartfelt letter to a bunch of people and say, Hey, look, everybody needs a boost. We'd love for you to be a boost for us because for, for 30 years, we've been doing this work and it's been a great, but we've been playing pretty small and we'd love to help more organizations and get the word out yeah. on this work. And so we sent out probably, I don't know, 30. Um, and my business partner will tell you, <clears throat> to this day that he thought it was a complete waste of time and money, but he trusted me enough that he was like, well, let's, let's give it a try. And, and the reality is I'm not sure that I fully trusted it. Uh, Cause there was a tremendous amount of fear of like, you know, yeah, this is going to be a waste of time and energy and lots of time, you know, weekends writing thank handwritten thank you notes and whatnot. Um, and so for it to work is like a, a good example for all of us that, Whenever you see something that scares you or that you're not comfortable with, that's probably the exact time to, to lean into it and to not pull back. Yeah. Yeah. 
lean into it. Oh, that's awesome. Cause I think you're right. I think, I, I think you're, you're sitting there and you're going, wow, what if, what if, what if, and, and honestly, everyone on this earth is a person just like us. Yes. Yes. And Ken Blanchard just taught us that in spades, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I tell you that, that is, that had to be, yeah, just really incredible. So, so what else you got going on? What anything else new coming up that that you want to share, or or you lots of fun happening? What's going on in the podcast? Yeah, life life's life's good. I um uh, got a puppy coming in two days. You know we're busy yeah. with work. I shouldn't say busy. I'm trying to eliminate that word busy from my life, Damon, because we use it so damn much. Right? It's like mm-hmm. this badge of honor of like you know courage. Look how busy I am and. I just looked up the word, by the way, There's, it's a, it's a Dutch English word goes back to like the 1500s and it, it roughly approximates anxiety. Ah. So fascinating. Right. If you think about that, like what we're really saying is I'm busy means I'm anxious. Um, and I'm filling my life with all sorts of anxiety. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, one of my CEOs actually gave me coaching the other day and she said, you know what I try to say, Tom, I try to say my life is full, beautifully full with the things I want to be full of. And um, so that's my life right now, Dan. It's beautifully full. We've got a, uh, what's new? Oh, we've got a great um, cohort of CEOs and superintendents and and presidents that we convene once a month. Nice. Um, It's called the interchange. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, If people want to interested in learning about that, they can go to, go to our website and and check it out. Um, we're always, we're actually looking to open another cohort, uh, in a few months. So nice. Uh, yeah. That's not, that's not a fun thing that, that fills my life. Good. Good. So what is your website address so people can uh, go there? Yeah. Phoenixperform.com. So Phoenix, like the city perform.com. Very good. Very good. And if someone wants to talk to you, Tom, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, go to the website and check it out. You know, you can also shoot me an email. It's just Tom at phoenixperform.com. Okay. I'm usually pretty quick with responses. Happy to, happy to help anybody. Even if somebody's, you know, leaders out there, CEOs out there, and they're just curious to learn more about this. We, we, uh, we always provide free help out of the gate because that's how we build trust and relationships. Mm-hmm. We're never trying to, to sell anything. So if you've, we don't, we work with organizations that are, you know, in that um, typically like a hundred employees to a thousand employees is probably mm-hmm. our sweet spot. We've worked with as small as, well, one was four, four employees, but that was pretty unusual. Yeah. As large as, you know, 6,000 employees. Um, but uh, that's kind of our, our sweet spot is, you know, enough employees where you can really invest in and, and build the culture. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here today, Tom. I, I appreciate you stopping by and talk about and talking about creating exceptional cultures and how you're helping CEOs and superintendents build great cultures in their organizations. Uh, appreciate that. If people have been listening here, what you want to do is roll back to the beginning of this. And and really, there's a lot of golden nuggets you dropped in there about, you know, just things to be thinking about in the culture and the benefits of doing this and what you really uh, are helping people do. I also want to thank Benedict for stopping by and dropping a comment in there and Ikram for the comments you dropped there too. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being here. 
Thanks everyone for joining us. We will be back again a little bit later, but thanks Tom for being here. Thanks Damon. Have a great week. You bet. Hang out just for a moment. We'll talk.